Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Anthropotamus. I'm here with Dr. Olga Fedorenko, Associate Professor of the Anthropology Department at Seoul National University. Um, her focus is... If, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Korean culture ad, and advertisement and uh, seems like also a bit of capitalism. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, I kind of identify somewhere between Korean studies and sociocultural anthropology. And so far, my research has focused on media in various ways. And when you start talking about things like advertising, you kind of end up talking about capitalism sooner or later. So yes, that's also something that pops up in my research occasionally. Uh, and before we get started, so today we're going to be talking about her article, Idol Ads in the Seoul Metro, K-Pop Fandom, Appropriation of Subway Space and the Right to the City, um, with um, the Korean Wave and I mean, I mean, everybody knows who BTS and Blackpink is. So this was uh, very interesting getting into the advertisement side in in Korea. But before we get into that, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Well, like as I said, I was trained primarily in Korean studies, but at University of Toronto East Asian Studies Department. And my research tends to rely heavily on ethnographic methods. So that's kind of the trajectory that brought me into anthropology department at Seoul National University and this particular paper well it's kind of my first major research dealt with South Korean advertising it was multi-sided ethnography of advertising in Korea which dealt with advertising production advertising censorship advertising activism things like that Um, so I was kind of conditioned to pay attention to advertising in Korea. So when I came back to Seoul, one thing that jumped at me was those idol ads on the subway, which were kind of everywhere and kind of quite peculiar. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had mentioned an article that the fans actually pay for these ads. Yes. Yes. So usually fans... Well, most typically it would be fan groups collecting money and it could be official fan clubs. It could be just group of friends among fans. So, yeah, it's very grassroots activity. I found this particular interesting because anyone who knows me knows I'm addicted to Korean dramas. And for those who watch Korean dramas, you know you always have those idol fans sitting in front of a studio waiting to get a glimpse of their you know, whoever favorite singer is or whatever. So I already kind of based off dramas had this perception of them. But mm-hmm. it made me look at them a new way reading your article. Um, I had no idea that they were uh, that they paid for their own ads or that they were just so abundant in the Metro uh, Seoul Metro. Um, but, oh, I was going to get into. Um, so I had no idea they paid for their own ads. I didn't even know they, the ads was such a big thing, but I I wanted to encourage people to look up the article, even if you don't read the article, look it up because I love the photos you put up there. Thank you. Um, those were great photos. It really helped, you know, imagine, you know, it really just went along with the article and helped me imagine like, like basically what what you're talking. I I feel like it just completed the article. Um, 
and just seeing the girls putting the hearts around the faces and all those post-its. And I know nobody knows what I'm talking about right now, but if you look at the full of the article, um, it's, it's great. Um, but leading into those ads, you do mention, and, uh, and those who, who are into K-pop and dramas, we often see the males with a very soft masculinity look, the lip gloss, the eyeliner, we've seen it. Um, have, have you done any research that suggests where this style of masculinity originated from? Um, it is a very interesting and complicated questions. Generally, question, like generally within any kind of origin question, there are many competing, like with any kind of origin question, there are many competing explanations. And with this, um, style of masculinity in Korea, I can tell you that I noticed it first, like as very prominent cultural phenomenon around 2009. Uh, at, the at that time, I was doing my dissertation research, and also it was a time when drama Boys Over Flowers was hugely popular. And I don't know if you've seen that drama, but yes, basically, yes, I have. <laughs> okay, so you would know there are like these four protagonists who are extremely well-groomed men who kind of very attractive. Like Boys Over Flowers is kind of um, implies that those boys are prettier than flowers. So that kind of beauty ideal gets discussed very heavily at that time. And this whole phenomenon of kind of flower boy, Kotminam kind of gets discussed very widely and at the time I was doing my research on advertising in general and part of that research I was doing interviews with various kind of consumers of various walks of life and asking their opinions on their favorite advertising campaigns and things like that so I actually did some interview with Korean men and I was kind of like okay what do you think of that like where like what's up with this kind of very you know particular kind of well doing gender uh and i was a little bit surprised because about half of them said well but it's actually american trend isn't it like that what metrosexual is all about it's just kind of coming to korea so that's kind of how korean men interpreted that like in 2009 i don't think that kind of conversation happening more generally my sense it kind of has to do with popular culture like aesthetically you know, you probably could see similarities between those idols and like anime manga characters. So that definitely, I think, is an influence. So that would be kind of general answer to this. That's interesting. I never thought of um, that style that we have here as being masculine. Actually, I would always, I think, I, I don't know, less your opinion on that. You mean on the metrosexual style? Yeah. Um, well, I'll just put it. Uh, I was. I was raised in a very conservative, uh, conservative family. It was always um, depicted as effeminate in in uh, you know in my family and whatnot. So I, I never thought of that as a masculine style personally. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of think I grew up thinking the same thing. But as I get older and we we discuss more gender roles now. Um, I kind of see it as more neutral, uh, more gender neutral style. Gender is a, it, that's term. a very comp, yeah, it's a very com yeah. complicated subject that has um, no clear uh, Definition. answer. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one way to think about it in like different cultures, different societies, right? Different aspects of 
looks that people, men and women, are supposed to take care of. So, for example, in North America, if a man works out and tries to have like a perfectly toned body, no one would doubt his masculinity. Rather, it's like a person is taking good care of his appearance. So mm -hmm. in South Korea, that includes taking good care of your skin. So like, if you are a responsible man, like your skin should look good. So it's just kind of like that interpretation of that. So generally in Korea, those men are not perceived feminine. That's not no, kind yeah. of association. Yeah. No one doubts their well, masculinity. Well, except maybe for tourists. I wasn't suggesting that, they, that anybody <laughs> should. Um, I was just saying that in, in the culture that I, uh, that I was raised in, it's seen very differently. But yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, different cultures uh, is, are going to have different norms. Right. I, th I think you just find it very interesting that how we view something is how it's viewed very differently in a different culture. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, <laughs> I kind of went off topic on that one, I think. Um, That's okay. This can be a little more organic. <laughs> um, so let's, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. So you mentioned uh, K places um, and how fans are both consumers and producers of these places I tried googling K place I got a store um, which very which sold very cool stuff but I still um, I don't think that's what you mentioned which you were talking about in your articles because so could you explain what a K place is and how fans are both consumers and producers so with K places I guess it's just a part of this bigger trend when prefix K gets to describe anything related to Korean popular culture. So obviously K-drama, K-pop. Um, actually, if you Google, you could find like this kind of diagram of K-iceberg, where you have like everything that K was attached to. So you have K-fashion, K-food, K-this, K-that. So basically anything associated with Korean popular culture. And it's kind of promoted that way partially to attract domestic and international tourists so i guess for key places it would be some kind of places which associated either with dramas or with k-pop acts so maybe one of the most well-known such places one would be nami island of seoul and that place is associated with one of the earliest Korean dramas, which was internationally popular, Winter Sonata. So like characters, romance develops like around that area. So it attracted a lot of tourists who wanted to see the place, experience a place, things like that. Um, with BTS, obviously there are many places that fans want to visit, like somehow what came to my mind when I was thinking about it is uh, Yangho Beach bus stop, which was on their album cover, like you know, a walk alone album. So it's just like this image of a bus stop. So if you want, you could go visit it and kind of experience that place for yourself, what it's like being there. So on the one hand, those places are promoted, listed as associated with things K. On the other hand, when fans, tourists go visit, they take their own pictures, post them, and kind of amplify the meaning and popularity of those places. So let's say if you are into fandom of a particular group and you come to Seoul, you will search all those places where, I don't know, 
like a snack shop where parent, which is run by parents of one of the idols, or like a cafe where they are known to uh, take a break between their recordings. So those places become known to fans, and that kind of becomes like this whole layer of K-pop, K-drama city. So you have in your article a map. You give an example of a map. Mm-hmm. A metro map and all the different spots where all the ads are placed so people can take their kind of like a pilgrimage to all their different idol ads and take pictures with them. Is there like maps like that also for all the different K places? Um, they would be specific to particular group or particular idol. I was specifically looking at subway ads and generally they are produced around birthdays. So usually you would have a map associated with a particular idol. And if you want, you could plan your well trip to Seoul or a day in Seoul where you visit as many places as possible. Huh. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to imagine all of this in my head. Um. Well, actually, like if you look for those maps online... People get very creative in some fandom clubs, like really take it very seriously. And I think some people just individually produce those maps because it's just kind of fun. You know, I actually think that that's, um, that there's kind of an incredible thing about that, uh, that, um, well, about this whole article is that uh, it's all fan produced. And I know we've mentioned this before, but um, it puts in the mind the fact that like you, you said that it's about the reclamation of the space uh, when I, when you think about the, the city that, um, or sorry, when I think about the city that I live in and how many ads are out here and, you know, what they're about and every, you know, everybody's trying to sell something to you and you think, well, all this ad space could be used to make, you know, a more enjoyable place or a more, um, engaging place to, uh, live and experience rather than, just you know something that's being used as a sales tool well, for me that kind of idea was in some ways what inspired this article in the first place like as you're saying usually with like especially subways all this kind of city places it is like this commercial advertising all the time and here well here in Seoul like you have this fans who change it in their own ways and again, with idol ads, on the one hand, they are fan-produced. On the other hand, it is your culture industry. So it is kind of commercial, not directly, but kind of one degree removed. But still, it's like people who produce images they want to see and you know gather enough money to put them there. And as I mentioned in the article, it's actually not that expensive. I mean, not cheap either, but like it's kind of affordable. Like last time I looked, the most expensive ones were like about $4,000. So if you have like a group of fans, you could do it. Yeah. $4,000 I mean, seems like a lot to me. Well, that's like more expensive ones. Like again, my <laughs> data could be a little bit old. I'm not sure what the prices are now. Like the cheapest ones like were quoted to me about $800. It's doable. It's it, like if you, if you decided that, it's doable, yeah, especially if you have any If fans. you decided that you wanted to see something, you could make that happen. Yes. And that, that's, that strikes me as something that's really, you know, really amazing. And we should have more of that. I mean, I wish 
that trend would spread. What is it? Do you know what the age range is for these fans who are putting these ads up? Well, again, it's hard to tell because generally it would depend on fandom, on groups, and um, my sense, I would guess, majority would be in their 20s, but generally often it's older fans who have money. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking how, how, I don't say impressive for if it was younger female fans organizing this and collecting this amount of money for ads. I mean, just just the networking and the connections, the organization for that, um, especially for the, the more expensive ads and just being in charge of a, a fan club. Yeah, and definitely fan clubs are super organized and that's kind of what makes that fandom culture in Korea so interesting that they kind of come together, organize things to support their idols. So, so in the article, you talk about different ads, such as Yoo Se-yoon, who congratulated himself on his birthday, which I mm -hmm. thought was interesting. Um, a birthday ad for Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you also mentioned that uh, these these ads were just a little bit more amateur amateurish and mm -hmm. somewhat goofy. Uh, does this mean that the, the idol fans have gained a sort of mastery over advertisement that others have not? Well, again, my sense that with fandom ads, usually it's produced by a group of people, a group of fans. And within that group, usually they'll find someone who will have some kind of expertise in, you know, graphic design, things like that. So I haven't done specific interview, specific research on fans for this article. I was primarily interested in use of public space, so that's where my focus was. But I did do some informational interviews with fans asking like, okay, how do things come along? And I remember <clears throat> talking to one woman who put together an ad with a group of her fandom friends. They collected money from, so there were international fans. She was based in Korea. Her friends were overseas. They collected some money from fans in her home country and fans kind of wanted to congratulate the idol and they kind of had like um i guess organizing committee <laughs> sounds too official for this but like a core group of three people who were basically coordinating the production of that ad placing it in a particular way and one of them happened to be like have some happened to have some expertise in design and basically the way they did it, they designed several versions and put it for voting to other people who contributed the money and decided like what they will go with. So that's just like one anecdote. I guess it would be pretty representative and generally it's not that rare, I think, to have some kind of designing expertise among young people these days. I think that's, that's pretty incredible. You have these idols who technically don't have to pay for advertisement because their fans are organizing it and paying for it for them already. Well, I guess that's kind of connects to how fans generally go out of their way to support their idols in the way they can. And like, you know, they buy concert tickets, they buy albums, sometimes in multiple copies, like that just kind of feeds into the fame of the idol. And that's kind of what fans do want to do with K-pop idols. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, you know, even just from my own experience, um, 
I, uh, you know, I, I, I've bought merchandise for from several different, uh, you know, of, uh, as you put it, my idols. You know, uh, one band in particular recently, I just bought another sweater from, and I wear that one around my city all the time. I, you know, I would uh, largely, it's you know, I have other sweaters. It's not necessarily the best one for for any given day. It's it's partly just because I want to do whatever I can to support that because I like what they do. So yeah. And I think with those ads, there is always a possibility that the idol himself or herself would go visit and take a picture and thank the fans, which is very exciting to those fans. That would definitely be a big, uh, a big attractor to that as well. Like, oh man, look what we did and they showed up. I wonder how many idols Google themselves to see if they have any ads up. <laughs> Probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like let me just google myself today uh, well, i guess one of the things with k-pop idols are like really savvy with social media with internet presence so yeah i could imagine that would be something they do i guess if you're hashtagging it like hashtag bts birthday or something <laughs> they could just follow the hashtag <sighs> and i think usually fans actually that's like part of them research i ended up not including in this article like when fans post the ads then they take pictures of it and often people who visit they also will take a picture and post it back to fandom club so there is like this kind of circularity that like in green it called it's called like confirmation shot like that you've been there and there is a proof so you kind of have this feedback to well, whoever is watching that, you know, there is a sad, so many people went to see it. You know, one of the questions that I didn't include, and I'm not sure why I didn't include this question. Um, you talk about females using these ads as reclaiming space. Can you just, I don't know if you could briefly summarize which, how you discuss that in the article for the listeners? So K-pop fandom has both male and female fans but generally female fans seem to be a majority and also they are more visible than male fans and as i'm discussing in that article generally there is a certain well kind of social stigma about female fandoms it's definitely changing precisely because k-pop such an international phenomena and bringing well kind of soft power to korea but generally, there is a certain kind of suspicion that, oh, yeah, it's just like young girls in love with pretty boys. So, yeah, that not, shouldn't be taken seriously. So against that stigma, fans who post those ads, they kind of accomplish several things. Like one thing is, like as Ashley was talking, they kind of demonstrate amazing organizational power. Like, you know, they can pull that money, they can contact the agency, they can, you know, place it in the right place. So all those things, they kind of demonstrate that those fans... They are organized, they have money, they can spend this money in a particular way, which, well, contributes to subway advertising revenues. So that raises profile of fan, female fandoms, and more generally about um, how that becomes a space for female fans to enjoy their idols. The argument I'm making is, with those idols, it's generally common and acceptable that those female fans will go visit them, take pictures, and everyone 
around kind of understands it and accepts it and that's just kind of part of being on Seoul subway these days well not so much these days because of corona but definitely pre-corona so the general point i'm making there is that because it is such a practice when women can express their hobby their interest their preference for a particular type of masculinity and do it in a public place that changes gender dynamics around those ads and possibly has consequences beyond that. Interesting. Um, Les, do you have any other questions? Uh, no, actually, I don't have any other questions, but um, I did find this article, and like like I said, it, it's um, there's a lot of interesting stuff about this, and I think that we could bring a lot of good... Uh, some of these practices would do a lot of good even brought back in into almost any city you can think of if i could quickly comment on that like one of the interesting things i discovered when doing this research is that after those fandom ads became kind of mainstream there were all other groups trying to post their opinion ads on different issues often it didn't quite work because often those issues would be somewhat controversial or deemed somewhat controversial. So someone will be complaining that they are changing the subway into political space and it's supposed to be neutral public service. So there were several attempts to put ads promoting gender equality. And that was perceived as, well, kind of attacking men. And those ads were taken down. But what was interesting to me and like this kind of whole idea is like, okay, we have those subway walls. Why don't we use them for... Well, you know, communication, expression, other things. Why does it have to be only commercial advertising? Why can it be, you know, citizen space of expression? So there are like all these like attempts to use it in those ways. Generally, they don't go quite far and often end up in controversies. Actually, um, Seoul Metro established a special board for reviewing those citizen opinion ads, whether they are neutral or ideological or something, whether they could be allowed. So the fact that they had to establish such an organization kind of shows, in my opinion, that there is this new imaginary of subway space as, you know, not monopolized by commercial advertising, that there are good arguments to use it for public expression in different ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've got plenty of... Um political advertisement all over the place we've got the, the, that's that exists all over just driving down the highway you know you can see the well i'm not going to get into the politics of it but you can see a lot of controversial ads that are put up here and there and um like my own wife there's a, a few that she really just hates to see and i'm just thinking well what if we just had something that we know a lot of people like you know i mean it could be it could be any fandom that you that you think of, and, and you know, you can find something that a large portion of the citizenry is going to like. One of the things they do on Seoul Subway that's not advertising, but they have like those glass sliding doors, and they print poetry on it. And sometimes it will be like poetry by well-known established poets, and sometimes like winners of local poetry competitions. So when you're waiting for a train, you could just read a poem. That's 
Wonderful. I love that. The fact that it can be used for poetry. I didn't even think of that. That's, that's fantastic. And I think that that right there would be, yeah, I, I just think that we should have more um, public forums for the public rather than to sell to the public. I had a, I had a thought, but um, no, you had made me think of something. And then of course I lost it because that's what I do. I have all these random thoughts in my head and then I forget what my random thoughts are. And then I go on a tangent. <laughs> Uh, oh, you know what? Before we end, what are you working on currently? What's your next topic? Oh, <clears throat> currently I'm kind of in between topics because my advertising book is about to come out this summer. So in a way, I'm like in all this like final stages of, you know, kind of. What will that be titled? Well, it's titled flower of capitalism south korean advertising at the crossroads and before you think flower of capitalism is a super cheesy title i want to say that it is actually most common metaphor for advertising in korea so whenever someone you know writes a blurb for a book on advertising critical or not critical it would kind of go advertising is often called the flower of capitalism and then it continues to say something else. So I'm kind of using that metaphor to pick at peculiarities of South Korean advertising. So this article kind of flows out of that, but yeah, kind of takes it in very different directions. Um, what I see myself doing is actually trying to investigate more of those cases when public spaces get claimed by regular people. And investigating those groups trying to place advertising on Seoul subway, which are not fandoms, but kind of other groups is like one thing I'm looking at and I'm hoping to write something about that. Yeah. So when I was reading, I was wondering, does com do companies feel like they have to compete with the fandom ads? Well, basically subway advertising is kind of not doing that well now because um in korea at least everyone who's on the subway is generally looking into their phone so they're not really looking around and advertisers are trying to get people through their mobile de devices primarily so now if you take subway you would see many kind of blank spots so if anything they're kind of undersold and i think subway is kind of trying to be as friendly to those fans as possible because they're becoming a pretty major source of that advertising income which is well i guess necessary for operating the service there are also many kind of municipal services advertising like you kind know, of cultural events regional festivals exhibits so commercial advertising is kind of not that prominent anymore on the subway uh, well, thank you again for coming on the show today. Um, I actually really enjoyed enjoyed your article. And I wish more people would put pictures in their articles. Thank you so much. <laughs> it really just helps me imagine what I'm reading. Um, but thank you for coming on. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, just a reminder to our listeners, the article we're discussing is Idol Ads in the Seoul Metro, K-pop Fandom, Appropriation of Subway Space, and the Right to the City. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.